This is a podcast by The Straits Times. You're listening to In Your Opinion, a podcast series by The Straits Times. I'm your host, Ernest Lewis. In this episode, we're going to look at the inevitable impact of record COE prices on society, as Singapore is pushing for a car-light society, and why people should not just think of COE prices as having an impact only on those who can afford a car in Singapore. My guests are Lini and Joe, my colleague and a senior transport correspondent for ST. We've also got Ramya Ragupati. She's an entrepreneur in the food industry. Now she runs Oh My Goodness, a food manufacturing startup. Hi, Nianjo. Welcome to the show. Hello, Ernest. Good to see you. Hi, Ramya. Glad to have you as a special guest. Thank you. Happy to be here. All right. Okay. So, Nianjo, will COE prices right in Singapore not plunge down way under the 100,000 mark again? You know, I'm, I, I need to ask you this because this is like life after COVID. And I'm really talking about returning to the sub 50k mark is that possible i know there was the recent one-time quota adjustment made by the lta but what do you think well ernest we're talking about more than halving the coe premium because we're in the hundred something range now right yes that's really a long way to go um rough count there are about 45 car brands in singapore so if you're gonna take that number of coe share among these 45 or so car brands in the current period at least right um after the adjustment each brand will get only, what, 25 COEs? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not quite enough for them to get around. And uh, what can bring down COE prices? I think, number one, you definitely want to wait to the time when there were fewer players on the supply side, less brands, and also less buyers. So this kind of goes against what we want to do. Yes. When you ask about lower COE price, you really want to talk about being more affordable. What well, if it becomes more affordable, more buyers. Yeah, but fewer buyers can't be can't happen, right? Because we have not just private buyers, but fleet yes, buyers exactly. as well yeah. now. I mean, there's competing demands now. We've always been on this topic, right? Every time we're we're on air, but for this is that there are cars being bought to use to make money. They're revenue making. Uh, they become assets in 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 businesses. The fleet owners, and then at the same time, there are those the rest of us who still want to have a car to call our own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this 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 conflict will then mean that suggests that the demand isn't going to come down overnight or over the year. Okay. Right? Because we already have this, this business, this industry has really come up. I can't see it disappearing tomorrow. And to lower prices, we need to really think about things being unaffordable. That's the cost of living crisis that they were at. Then we can talk about demand coming down, as in when we are really struggling to find our next meal, then maybe the car can wait. And uh, higher interest rates as well, right? I mean, everything's going to be higher. So like you said, it has to go lower somewhere, somehow, and then the demand can fall. And then we're only talking like, we might not be even looking at a few more years. It may never happen. As Minister Iswaran um, said in Parliament last month, right, the Transport Minister, he said that we have to get used to this. Yeah, I, I think when he mentioned it, I did think about, it always comes back for me, the cost of my kopi in the morning. Mm. I mean, it, it was started having coffees in 60, 70 cent range. Now at one thirty, I don't bet an eyelid because that's that's where we're at. I have never been to a coffee shop where it says that new price lower than last week. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I think it's something that we have to get used to it. Question, um, if you want to come back to the affordability issue, yeah, is that can the rest of our lives catch up? Yes. Right? Okay. Mm. If it's 100,000, then if income also has risen substantially, 
then we can talk about okay maybe it's more affordable now it's more bearable uh, I, I don't think uh, uh, in 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 defense of the the, the policy makers is that you can't possibly make things like uh, uh, COE and by extension the car that much cheaper yep. when everything else has gone up mm. okay so Ramya tell us about yourself I mean you run your own food business uh, as I mentioned earlier uh, what is your what is your business uh, life like? I mean, how do you conduct this business and then how do you use transport in this sense? Well, when you run a business, you know, one of the things you need to be prepared for is having to be all over the place, right? Um, it's, you don't always get to sit in an office and um, limit your movement to between home and the office. Mm. And especially in food manufacturing, uh, very often you're taken to pretty far-flung places just because of the way industrial zones are laid out in Singapore, which, which is a good thing. Um, so sometimes I find myself, you know, far away in Admiralty. Sometimes I'm in I'm in Changi. Sometimes I'm in Bedok. Of course, I have my days of being in Raffles Place and and all of that. And you know, I try to keep like our hot desk uh, in the Raffles Place area just to to be hip and cool. Mm. And obviously, <laughs> if I'm going to Raffles Place, you know, I'm going to take the MRT. I'm going to take the bus. Very very happy to. But when you actually need to go to some of these far flung places. You're lucky if the MRT and bus gets you where you need to get to, or sometimes the MRT gets you as far as you can, and then you need to take a bus that maybe comes every 25 minutes. And it's a, it's a struggle sometimes because it takes a long time to get to these places, and it's not like you can avoid going to these places. Mm. And time is money. And so you don't really want to be spending one and a half, sometimes one hour, 45 minutes on public transport to get to these places. And that's just one way, right? There's a limit to how many emails you can send on, on the bus and the train. And it's not like you can you can start writing proposals and quotations. So you end up losing a lot of time traveling. And it's at moments like these, you think it'd be great to have a car. So very often when people ask me, hey, so how do you drive? My answer is always, oh, I got plastic, no metal, right? <laughs> I have the driver's license, but for a long time, driving around was just inaccessible and I started out uh, renting cars from say the traditional car rental companies like Hertz and okay. I, I don't even remember the names of the others and those are like you're looking at $120 a pop right and then you have to rent it for 24 hours and when the car uh, when you're sleeping the car is sleeping and you're paying overnight parking so the the advent of car sharing was really a big boon for people like me because mm. I could rent a car for those few hours I needed them I paid parking as far as I needed um, for those few hours. But um, ordinarily, I wouldn't be looking at a bill beyond 30 to $40 for that period because I would rent the car for, say, uh, three to six hours at any point in time and I'll pack my schedule and see mm. as many customers as possible, go to as many suppliers as possible. Yeah. Where are your factories now? So my factory right now is in Mandai and when we started oh. out, we were in Tuas. <laughs> oh, wow. Let's just say there's a reason why those units were really cheap. Um, so now we're in Mandai and a lot of the food zones, uh, a lot of food factories are actually in the Admiralty and, and the far away bits of uh, mm. woodlands. And you're lucky if you can get a grab to take you there and uh, luckier if you can get a grab to take you out, right? Um, so mm. when you have a small business, you don't have uh, company buses to take you in and out. So you're really kind of on your own trying to figure out your own solution. So car sharing has been fantastic. You get the car for a few hours, you drive out, you meet your suppliers, you meet your customers, and then um, you, know, you pop by the factories, see your employees, and then you return the car. Um, but this takes planning. Yeah. Right, like some serious planning and I've always been uh, some hyper-organized super planner so this works but you know if last minute I need to go see a customer or a client or a supplier um, it gets quite 
challenging because they're usually in far-flung places. And I, it's not like there's a car sitting there waiting for me. And grab can add up. You know, if you're doing like multiple locations mm. in a day, each trip could cost you 30 to $40. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, you know, it, sometimes you can't get uh, a ride out. Nobody wants to go there empty, right? Um, and it's not like you can stand on the street and flag down <laughs> cabs anymore. I, I honestly miss that, you know, <laughs> like hoping that some yeah. taxi driver with a green light will come by <laughs> and you can get into that car. So, um, so I think, you know, as a business owner, especially in the food sector, it's... Um, it's been quite challenging and you know after a while uh, you just stop monitoring COE prices and all mm. of that because you're like yeah this is never going to happen it's just too expensive you know and, and honestly not all Taukes have a car you know and so some of us need to make do with the um, mm. alternatives out there yeah that's that's an interesting facet of life which we you know it sort of brings us back to Nianzhou I mean you you know you talk to dealers on the ground and they are predicting that you know, even with the increased supply of COEs over the coming months, um, it could be outstripped by the higher demand. And we don't see that. I, I, I think majority of Singaporeans who usually will take public transport, they don't see this other aspect of uh, who is using all these uh, cars and, you know, vans and all that. Mm. You know, Ramya's in the food business. So obviously she needs it for this kind of facet of life because it's impractical you know, just take MRT and then take a bus and then do a connecting bus and then wait in the, at a lone bus stop for hours. <laughs> you know, it's just like she said, it's not productive at all. So what do you think? I mean, do what does the later, uh, latest data tell you about like car sharing and all this? This is going to be the new way forward? I think at least in the immediate term, uh, the way car sharing has been configured, I think is both the cost and the effect. Mm. If you, if you uh, uh, look at it, of the COE situation. Fundamentally, the COE is essential for the vehicle to be on the road. So if the, that, that entitlement is going to cost you more, the, the vehicle is going to cost more. Yeah. And when the vehicles cost more, it's, you're going to have those that cannot afford to have the vehicle for the, all the time will have to turn to some form of a, a sharing arrangement, some kind of rental. Mm. Uh, the way we see it, car sharing is just the usual rental business, but now in smaller pockets. Yep. Right? I mean, you can do it out of 30 minute uh, windows or, or longer. Um, so, therein gives you this can we call it a paradox? Because, on one side, it's supposed to, to be the solution. Mm. But then, in their pursuit to grow their businesses, we see that as their fleet grow, they actually, like it or not, they are contributing to COE premiums going up as well. So, uh, a little bit more to it is that, besides explaining that, look, car price because of COE, it's also the way COE bidding behavior, actually, what we have observed. So fundamentally, COEs are decided, the number of COEs in the market is decided on a three-month basis. Mm -hmm. So in that three months, you have about six tender exercises, usually about a fortnight between them. So what happens is that on the other side, the, the bidding, remember, oftentimes bidding is not done by individuals. Bidding is done by companies. These can be car dealers or if you're a fleet operator who's going to put lots of vehicles on the road, you, you have a person or a department whose job is to just secure the COE at whatever cost you need. So on one side, when they're bidding, uh, it, a lot of it is going to be uh, based on what they need and what they expect, where the COE needs to be or will be uh, landing at. Mm -hmm. On the other side, which is a little bit more on uh, the how they're going to derive the expectation of the number of COEs they'll be entering the market. Right. So just now I said that there are going to be six tender exercises in one go, in one period. So usually what we observe is that initially, say we start with 
the announcement says, oh, we're going to have less COEs than before. Mm-hmm. So expectation, um, the next tender, so the first of your six, they're going to rush in. Oh no, we got we got we got a we got a we got the dash, <laughs> right? And after that, usually the the market will slightly overcorrect. Mm. So, okay, now we we paid too much for it. Ouch! So you kind of go easier, and then after that, as you are going, this is first, second, third, and as you move into the middle-ish part of this quarter, mm-hmm. you're gonna go. Mm, let's look at what uh, the deregistration is like. Are there a lot of vehicles being thrown back into the market, being scrapped, which will suggest that the next quarter period will have more COEs. So then, okay, if more is going to come, I'm going to chill. I'm going to take it easy. So the dealers will then start to bid a little bit lower and we see premiums can edge down a little bit. But here we're talking about very minute differences because fundamentally, the supply of COEs is too tight yeah. for, for what the market demands. right? Mm. So oftentimes, I think this correction, overcorrection, undercorrection, and this sort of behavior, this is how they keep finding their way around. This is, as we've been told, this is what free market is about where you don't hit the, the perfect number at this round, but I hope the next one you get a little bit better, closer to the mark. So this means, on the other side, is that one of the changes that we've actually discussed about is how uh, there were measures introduced to reduce this volatility. So from qu- from a quarter for the quarter to the next one, it's like, why is there so, uh, so many more COEs or so few COEs? Fundamentally, it's based on the number of deregistration, right? And when the term used is to reduce volatility, and that's in both directions. In terms of getting more COEs, you're not going to get as much more, the spike, or dips in COEs, you're going to get a crash in terms of the number of COEs just disappearing by huge percentages. So this also means that we're not going to have premiums, are not supposed to be spiking and crashing as well. Right. Um, and we also know that coming back to where we started with, which is about car sharing and rental rates, is that rental rates are already high. Because the whole, whole of last year, we keep seeing COE record COEs, record COEs, it keep making the news, right? At the same mm. time, the, the the operators are also going to cost more when they need to buy the vehicle. And this has to be passed on to the consumer, like it or not. Yeah. And roughly, we did talk about interest rates as well, right? Well, to finance these cars, uh, as wealthy as they seem, these companies, they are still financing it through some form of a loan. Mm. So, one way or another, we are bearing it as consumers. Yeah, because ultimately, people like Ramya and all that, I mean, not just the average consumer or the person who's just like taking a you know, maybe renting it for the weekend to spend with the family or something. But Ramya, in your business, you'll be using it every day. The cost will be passed on to people like you, right? Yeah, I, I was just about to ask that question, actually, because you mentioned earlier that the fleet buyers are also driving uh, the prices up, right? Mm. And at some point, that's going to come back to us. And I think we've already seen Blue SG increase its price mm. over the last year. I think, you know, the per minute or per kilometer rate's gone up. So I think slowly but surely, it is going to just keep going up. And then at some point, you know, is car sharing going to be the boon that it once was, right? Mm. Um, I remember I started off using car sharing with Smooth. It was super affordable, but it's also not around anymore, which I think says something about maybe the model, that it wasn't financially sustainable. And now I'm um, I'm, I'm using um, Tribe Car quite a lot. Um, hopefully, you know, I mean, they've reintroduced new pricing models over the last few months as well. Um, and that I watch probably more closely than COE prices since I'll <laughs> never be able to afford a car. But um, yeah, it's been interesting to see all the pricing model changes and, and seeing how it's slowly, thankfully, but surely going up little by little, right? And I'm sure yeah. the COE prices have something to do with that. And your brother as well, right? I mean, you were... 
Well, yeah, I mean, you know, he had a lifestyle when he first had his child where um, I'm going to talk about him without his permission right now on <laughs> national radio. Um, so, you know, he, he had not everyone, you know, has as helpers at home and not everyone has, you know, very solid family support, you know, to, to raise children. And he had a, a lifestyle where he had to send his kid to Jurong while living in Woodlands and then drop himself off at work and then drop his wife off. So the need for that transport within that short two-hour period was was real, mm. you know, and, uh, and, and that option sort of been taken away as well with the whole 50%, you know, upfront. You know, n- most people don't have that kind of cash stashed under your mattress, you know, to just pull out and like buy a car. And unless you got a head start and you keep having cars to, to trade in and all of that, like even then really like what can we really buy yeah. you know uh, with whatever we're getting out of that so I think everyone's just had to get a bit more creative a lot of people that had cars five six years ago I see them all not having them mm. anymore how's he coping now yeah. well first the child has grown up that helps <laughs> a little yeah. it does help yeah. <laughs> but I mean those are realities is a very yeah. very um, uh, nice way to just yeah. illustrate the problem yeah so I mean um, you know when we catch up now it's interesting he's a big fan of Blue SG. And we have these discussions all the time, you know, like w- the, the differences between blue and tripe car because, you know, we, we both enjoy driving and, you know, we both appreciate the convenience of having a car, but mm. we also both are very aware that it's not going to happen for us in the near future or maybe ever. Right? So, you know, we talk about it a lot. And he's a huge fan of, of blue. Uh, and uh, I think what he likes about it is that you pick it up from point A and you go to point B and you can end your journey. Um, whereas for me, I'm a huge fan of tribe car because I, I find that it's more affordable and um, you know the I, I'm not limited to parking it in certain spots so it's interesting to get into these debates and whether or not they they address these very real issues mm. of daily life I think it really depends on the use case right um, so like for me I, I like having um, a sedan that I can pick up at a car park near my house. I can load it with all the barang barang I need to bring to the factory. You know, I go to my suppliers, I go to my clients, I put things in the car, I take it out. You know, Blue SG, it's a small car. It doesn't drive as well. And I keep uh, hearing about like the tech fails. You know, sometimes the the charging port doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't recognize your booking. Sometimes you can't end your booking. Mm. And that happens a lot, right? Like, you know, um, tech is driving a lot of these solutions and that tech has to be kept updated and refreshed and it needs to work. Otherwise, car sharing stops being a solution in the long haul, right? Yeah. Uh, I've had fewer issues with Tribe Car and... Um, but again, it takes a lot of planning, you know, because there are multiple car parks around my area. And obviously, you always want to get the car that's in the car park that's closest to you, especially if you're loading it up with a whole lot of things. But if it's a last minute need, I, chances are the car's not there. It's not just mm. sitting there waiting for me. But So how long do you spend to plan this? Just one day, right? How many destinations? Well, I don't drive every day. I don't ah, drive okay. every day. It's usually, again, I kind of plan it ahead of time so I'm like okay so on Tuesday I'm going to go to the factory and then after that I'm going to go uh, pick up all the stuff from the printer and then I'm going to go to another supplier and then I might go meet a a customer to drop off some new I don't know pamphlets or A510 cards whatever and then I bring the car back and I park it at my house and sometimes it can get quite stressful because you know you're chatting with your customer or your client and you know you want to keep chatting and then you're constantly looking at your watch because yeah. you have to return the car in 45 minutes <laughs> you know and if you're lucky you can extend it and um, I think Tribe Car just launched the app quite recently in the last 12 months and that's been very very helpful um, because then you can just mm. secretly log in and extend mm. the car but that's on the assumption that someone else hasn't booked it right and if someone else yeah. has booked it then you kind of 
have that stress of having to to drive back quickly and put the car back for the next user again that's probably why my brother prefers uh, blue sg because you don't you don't have that stress right you just pick up the car mm. and you just keep driving and when you return it you return it um but it's also a lot costlier right mm. um so there are pros and cons for each solution and again it really depends on on the use case i i don't do it every day uh i mean that would add up as well yeah. <laughs> eventually um and sometimes it is more convenient to take uh grab for instance when i don't want the pressure of having to bring the car back i'll just do like a grab one way to the factory spend all the hours i need and then i'll happily take uh, the blue line home you know mm. from bukit panjang station so it it's very much dependent on the situation like what is most convenient and what is most cost effective also you know i i run a food startup you know it's not like yeah. we have all this cash to just burn or corporate cards <laughs> to just you know uh, uh to use so so you have to be quite clever about planning what your transport solution is going to be um mm. and of course you know if if i had a car i'd take all of that stress out right <laughs> and all that planning <laughs> um but in the absence of that yeah this is this is just what we have to do Good thing you're an obsessive compulsive planner. I never said I was obsessive compulsive. <laughs> I said I'm an organized super planner. My but friend. it sounds like you you know there's a lot of planning, right? Yeah. I mean that's the that's the reality of life that we don't often see and we don't often hear. Yeah, I I think yeah. at the end of the day, the, some 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 truths that always apply is time is money, right? Yes. Yeah. You want convenience, you you pay for it in another way, which is in in this case you're gonna pay more. And also as 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 Rami was sharing, just come to mind that. Why are companies? Why are fleet companies increasing their fleet? Hmm. So, if you think about it from the user perspective, or maybe turn around from the operator's perspective, I need to get the the the. I think the the business word is penetration. I need to get it there if I can take over all the ten multi-story car parks within I don't know two bus stops, all filled with my cars. Then it's job done because then I become the market leader for this estate. But to reach that point. I need to keep increasing the fleet. Yeah. Right. So I think it's whether you are on a point A to B sort of car sharing, which is what Blue SG does, or all the others that does what is called a point A and back to A. You need to sort out uh, uh, that critical mass, the minimum number, or in this case, more than minimum. And then there's also this problem with, uh, and we touched on it a little bit before, which is what about these peak uh, periods? Whether it's a weekend off, whether mm. it's a long uh, a holiday period. Fridays, right, and all that, and it's not too different from the 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 likes of having ride sharing, which is your grabs, where people ask, where why is at least theoretically what was search pricing about, because there is a lot of demand, but then also you you have less of a search pricing situation if you have many 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 drivers, ample drivers that can that can address the need. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, in, this is this is really a caught between a rock and a hard place. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Back to my conversation with Linian Jo, a senior transport correspondent for ST, and Ramya Ragupathy, an entrepreneur in the food industry. We're talking about the effect of record-breaking COEs on Singapore society and why people should not just think of COE prices. As having an impact only on those who can afford a car in Singapore. Uh, Minister Iswaran's comments recently on the correction in motorcycle COE prices. He said that it shows market is working as intended. But how do you make sense of it now after last Wednesday's bump 
saw it go past the 10k mark again. I mean, that really stumped everyone, right? Yeah. Well, for context, is uh, basically the COE price of for motorcycles have doubled again. So it was halved and it doubled. Um, but it's really <laughs> too early to tell. I mean, to be fair, to be fair is that there is, it is a knee-jerk reaction versus a real effect. So um, when it first when it fell, I remember that in that evening I was calling up motorbike companies and they said we're very busy now because many many customers. Mm. They, are, they, are, they are busy rushing because everybody thinks that they want to score a bargain. Right, some so all did, rushed in. Yes. Some went in and got the bike with the cheaper COEs, those that were already secured. Others are, need to go into the market to bid. But overall, there was definitely more demand than uh, what was before. So this is, like I said, knee-jerk reaction. The real effect would really take a little bit longer time because uh, for a few things. One, uh, for, for those of us who have a motorcycle now, you need you, you need to, you know, wait for the pain to go down to know that you know now your bike is worth less if mm. the COE does come down uh, same for the for the companies who are holding these bikes they're leasing it out so yeah. it's all about them managing this uh, um, uh, flushing out these more expensive COEs and bikes that come with it and this process would be I, I, I believe we should be discussing it in over a timeline of excess of six months okay. before you get some kind of normalcy you say let's take a temperature again are we at the right point or not. Is that how long a gig worker has to wait, you know, to find all of this out and how it plays out? Well, I think it's not just the gig workers. If you think about it, anyone who needs a motorcycle, they're not they are not uh, restricted to guys who are doing food deliveries or, or, or short-term work. Mm. Uh, I believe we actually mentioned it before where, for example, I've learned that uh, bus drivers, they don't usually have the buses parked right at the car park in front of their, their flats, right? <laughs> to get there, they actually use a motorcycle. And mm. these are the guys who would be either renting or buying motorcycles. And and I'm, I'm sure maybe from, from Ramya's experience as well, you're going to see that there are other users of motorcycles that are impacted by the high price or the hope of uh, a lower COE price down the road. Absolutely, Nandro. I mean, you know, in the food sector, which is one specific sector, but, you know, industries in general are not located in residential areas or in central areas. So the commute for, for workers in various industries is real. And mm. if these guys are being priced out of the car market, then motorbikes become a viable option that's within reach. I recall when our factory was in Tuas, um, it was impossible to hire anyone because the distances are real, you know, and, and, and public transport can take you anywhere from one hour to one hour, 45 minutes if you're traveling from, um, I mean, no one lives in Tuas, right? <laughs> so if you're traveling from a different part of Singapore, it can take a very long time. And now our factory is in Mandai and one of my employees actually wakes up at five, you know, to to basically show up at work for eight. And uh, it's, a, it's a very long commute and I'm sure she does this out of goodwill. But at some point, you know, we need to think about the blue-collared workers that actually have to travel long distances to get to work? And do we really want them waking up at ungodly hours to take public transport for such long commutes when maybe a motorcycle could actually easily solve that problem for them? I think if I can add to that is I've also been realising on, on this very subject of far away places for people who are working, uh, it's also the concern with the timings. Right, because you could, I mean, one of one natural uh, suggestion might be put them on a bus, get a chartered bus, but then you might not have enough workers who needs to be there at this certain hour, starting originating from Tampines to land in, in Mandai by this by this period. So I think that, that level of flexibility you have with your own vehicle, whether it's a motorcycle, mm. whether it's two wheels or four wheels, really, uh, I, I think this is really applicable and is a real challenge. 
And as a small business owner, what we could do then is to help cover or offset some of that cost. You know, we could give you a transport allowance or cover fuel. There's something we can do in the absence of being able to charter a bus for a whole factory of employees. For individuals, we can provide certain allowances. And then it's a, it's a win-win for everybody. So just like it is for the car prices hovering around the 100k mark, do you think it will sort of even out just maybe slightly below the 10k mark for motorcycles? More or less? I would say it's pretty hard to tell what is a right number because the other dynamic that we need to consider is that while your COE is becoming a very big part of the overall price of putting the mm-hmm. motorbike on the road. Now, if you and I were running companies that supply motorbikes, what would you do? I'm going to give you a I'll look for cheaper bikes to sell. You know, that will help to lower the outlay for the for the for the end user who's going to either lease mm-hmm. or buy the motorcycles. In fact, uh, I have noticed that there are more and more of these shall we call them not mainstream brands that are appearing, motorcycles. And and the, the industry is really quite flexible. You have bikes from China, from India, Thailand. These are not well-known brands. But if you really need a bike, this is, an, this is a viable option. You don't know how good or how bad it is. You can try. If it means that I'm going to save on a per-month basis, I can knock $50 off my, my rental, I'll, I'll try. I'll mm. go. Yeah, so there, there is, it's not, I wouldn't say the the the, the number, the price, it's like if it's at nine 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 nine, it's a lot better than ten thousand dollars. Doesn't really make a difference. But if overall my outlay as a as an end user, I can save a few a, a few dollars, or let's go back to the Kopi Index and get a few more coffees along the way, then I, I'm I'm game. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, it's the demand. No running away from it. Post pandemic Singapore, everything is getting back to normal. But there's more intense competition. Uh, to do business, you need to travel. And uh, the cost of business also is going to go up. And Ramya, what what do you think? I mean, is it fair to say that? Uh, is it fair to say to someone, okay, look, you don't deserve a car because you know you can't afford it, so you better just suck it up, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, there's a certain reality that yes, there are the the price is it. There's so many pressures on this society on this small country. How do you think? you see this playing out for yourself and also your own usage patterns for transport, you know, not just for your personal reasons, but for your business reasons as well. Yeah. Well, I think because of the nature of the business, I mean, you know, one one option later on might be to have a company vehicle that can also allow us to do, you know, maybe deliveries and, and all of that. Um, but that's a, a long way away, right? Like you need a bit of cash to burn mm. to make decisions like that. Um, How old is your startup now? Uh, five years old. Right, yeah. okay. And, you know, five years old with a two-year pandemic, so it's been fun times. Mm. Um, <laughs> so um, I think at least for myself and the team, because, you know, we're going to expand the team soon, and it's things I think about, right? Like, should we get an office space? Right. You know, a private office space. Should we get, uh, like, it, what What am I going to give the salespeople? You know, obviously, as a small business, like, we're not going to have a company car for the salesperson to drive around. I think that, it's you know it's just too expensive to consider that. Would we look at a uh, car leasing mm-hmm. for the salespeople and for me to use as well? Like some of these options we're considering, but at the same time you're like mm, that just sounds like one big fat cash burn, you know. And I think it. Oh, at least this is just me, maybe in my startup mindset still, you know, <laughs> not ready mm. to to think like a, a large corporate. But um, but that sort of 
decision making is quite critical for your for your cash burn, right? And so I think for the time being, it'll be about being a hyper-organized super planner and looking at different modes of transport, working in combination with one another, um, um, you know, car sharing, grabbing, um, and just being clever about planning the routes and how mm. we're going to 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 cover our transport costs because everything is going up. Grab has gone up significantly since the pandemic. Um, rent is going to go up at some point. You know, cost of raw materials has obviously gone up. Um, sometimes attributed to the Ukraine war, but I'm still trying to understand how my raspberries have been affected by that. But that's a different conversation. <laughs> um, so with everything going up, I mean. As a, I guess, conservative business owner, I'm not ready to take any plunges into big investments or liabilities, depending on how you look at it. Um, so we'll see. I think it's about waiting and seeing um, mm -hmm. what happens, what changes. Um, I think if car sharing keeps uh, going up in price, that's something to definitely monitor and watch. Um, and it's almost like, you know how when people book a ride-hailing service, they open like three apps. You got Tada, you got your Gojek, you got your Grab. That's sometimes how I feel when I'm planning the transport for the week. You know, I open my tribe car and then I compare to Grab. And, you know, maybe one day we'll compare it to car leasing as an option as well. And because everything keeps changing and everything keeps going up, I don't feel like in my mind there's one singular clear solution for the future. We'll have to keep comparing the costs. But there's also a, a cost to that kind of planning, right? Excessive planning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You kind of want a simple solution. So I think it also depends on how the business goes, how the market goes, um, and what other costs are rising along the way. All right, that's a good point to end our show on. And thanks, Nianjo, for your insights again. A pleasure always. And Ramya, glad to have you here as a food entrepreneur with us, you know, sharing your thoughts on COE's larger impact on Singapore society. Anytime. Thank you for having me. Well, that's a wrap for In Your Opinion. I'm Ernest Lewis. If you resonate with the points raised, do share this podcast episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to read Lini and Joe's articles and Esty's opinion columns, there are links in our podcast show notes. Thanks for listening. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.